morning. But I want to show you what mostly my entire weekend has consisted of. So here's just a picture of that. Um, all weekend long. All day, every day. So I found this thing. Uh, actually, some of our friends had it. And it was like the sweetest little like baseball thing that like pops up pitches and you can hit them. And I'm telling you, this was the view outside of our window for the entire week. It's like $20 thing on clearance, and it's just the gift that keeps on giving. He's been getting those swings in, and uh, like all day, Dad, will you pitch to me? If Dad can't pitch, we got the little pop-up, and he's just, he's just swinging away, swinging away. So uh, you've heard this, this saying, persistence pays off. Uh, well, I'm hoping his persistence will pay off one day when he makes it to the majors. Maybe it'll pay off my house. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, just uh, here's the hoping. Uh, we're going to be talking about persistence today, and that phrase, you know, there's a lot of cliches, you know, this phrase, persistence uh, pays off. It does have me wonder, though, does persistence always pay off? Does that rule always apply? Is every form of persistence a good form of persistence? And um, I was looking around this week as I was thinking about that, and I was like, there's got to be a lot of examples out there of some persistence that didn't really pay off. And uh, sure enough, there's a lot. But one of the uh, stories that I found that was really interesting was about this guy. His name was uh, William the Burrow Schmidt. And uh, the reason he was called the Burrow is because he spent 36 years digging a tunnel. Just digging a tunnel, just digging away, digging a tunnel in the middle of the Mojave Desert in El Paso mountain range. He just dug this tunnel year after year, day after day, tunneled away, and so there it is. And you probably figure after all of that time, right, 36 years, like this had to have been some epic tunnel. And while it was an epic tunnel, ultimately this tunnel led to nowhere. Just nowhere, like just in the middle of the mountain range, there's just this giant tunnel that exists today um, because he spent 36 years digging this tunnel to nowhere. And they, it was kind of an odd guy, you know, an odd fellow. And so they asked him, like, okay, what, what is the point of this? Like, what is the point of this tunnel? Like, where does it go? And he just replied, it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. That's, that was his reply. And still to this day, nobody knows. People go visit it in the El Paso, but it ultimately leads to nowhere. And uh, they really, everybody had the same question that you and I have. It's like, okay, well, what, why would somebody build a tunnel to nowhere? Why would somebody build a tunnel to nowhere? And I don't get it. And uh, as I think about that, I can't imagine spending 36 years just tunneling away, tunneling away, tunneling away uh, to nowhere. But I do have to ask the question. Maybe I'm not literally digging a tunnel to nowhere, but it is a question that's worth asking, right? Is my persistence paying off? Is my persistence heading in the right direction? Am I digging a tunnel to somewhere? Am I ultimately digging a tunnel to nowhere? And there's a lot of things I think we could ask this question of. And maybe a good follow-up question is, um, what am I being persistent at? What am, I at, what am I pursuing? What am I pouring into my time and energy to? And Jess and I, we've had a few of those weeks where things have been a bit hectic, and it just feels like there's this constant, I don't know if this is your life too, but there's this constantly, constant activity, right, and constant stimulation and constant, where it's just constant all the time. And uh, we took a step back. We actually had our first date in like eight weeks, which was cool. It was like we just had the baby and all that. And so we just sat down, and one of the things we were talking about is let's just assess things here a little bit because we are constantly doing things. There's constant activity. And so we really asked this question, all right, where is all of this leading? Which I think is an important question for all of us to ask. 
when it comes to the big things in our life, when it comes to the small things in our life, we can talk about this little device in our pocket, right? And uh, it's not all bad, but the amount of time I spend on that device is like digging a tunnel to nowhere, right? And so I think the other question that's really important when we think about our persistence is, what are we being persistent at? And ultimately, we have to figure out not only am I being persistent, but am I being purposeful? Because persistence without purpose is ultimately futility. And the last thing any of us want to do is give our life, look back 36 years and be like, I just dug a tunnel to nowhere. So are you digging somewhere? Are you going somewhere? And that's really kind of the question that I want to elevate as we get started uh, today. And nobody else can answer that question for you. If the majority of the time that you're spending, the things that you're active at, the things that you're doing, are they purposeful or are they futile? But what I want to do today is give you an example, and we're going to spend time in a parable here that talks about the most productive form of persistence. And when we're, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the most productive form of persistence, and it's, it's a form of persistence that's never wasted. It's a form of persistence that ripples into eternity. It's a form of persistence that breaks down strongholds in our life. It's a form of persistence that unlocks the very mysteries of heaven that helps set our bearings. It's a form of persistence that unveils the best direction for our life. A form of persistence that actually holds the capacity to shift our circumstances. It's a form of persistence that impacts the people we love the most. It's a form of persistence that actively dissolves worry and stress. It's a form of persistence that adds the most value to us and the most value to the people around us. It's the opposite of a tunnel to nowhere. Anybody know what it is? It's prayer. It's prayer. Prayer is the most productive form of persistence. Too many Ps. It's always purposeful. Martin Luther once said, and he was a, he was a guy who was um, influential in his time, and one of the things that he said one time was, I have so much to do today that I'm going to spend the first three hours in prayer. I just love that mindset, love that way of thinking that's like, I've got so much to pull off today, I've got so much to do today that I'm going to use the first three hours in prayer, enlisting God's support and God's help and God's direction. That is someone who understands that we are most productive when we are most persistent in prayer. And Jesus talks about this form of persistence in Luke 18, and we're going to go ahead and turn there, Luke 18, uh, 1 through 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there now. Luke 18, 1 through 8. And it says this. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The cool part about this parable is Jesus gives us, right, right there in Luke, we get the, the point of this parable, right? So if you don't get anything else from this parable, get this. Jesus told them that they should always pray and not give up. And then he said, told this story. In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused and refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly, 
However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in all the earth? And so I just want to look at a few really important lessons that I think come to the surface here when it, when it comes to this idea of prayer and the prayer of persistence and the importance of the prayer of persistence. And so the first thing that we learn from prayer here is that prayer, the prayer of persistence is our source of greatest strength. There's a significant detail here uh, that, that wouldn't have been lost on the listeners, the disciples, as Jesus talked about uh, this widow. That the fact that she is a widow is an important detail because in her time, there was no more desperate situation than to be a widow. In a patriarchal society where it completely, it was dependent on somebody else's, a, a, a male figure's ability to provide in her situation. Her husband had died and she was in this desperate situation where she had nobody to, to care for her needs and to provide for her. So it's important that Jesus uh, notes here that she is a widow. She, so as a widow, there's some things that she couldn't have done. She couldn't buy the judge because she lacked the means. She couldn't sway the judge because she lacked influence. She, was not, she, had, she held no influence in, in her time. But one thing she had was persistence. And persistence was literally the only thing she had. So she just kept showing up day in and day out to this judge. And she was persistent and she was persistent. And she said, grant me justice against my adversary. And the fact that persistence is all she had was actually proved to be the most powerful thing that she had. You see, I believe that sometimes it's our abundance that becomes our greatest hindrance. It's not that our poverty that typically becomes our greatest hindrance. And I'm not just talking about financially, I'm talking about across the board. It's when we have too much that it ultimately becomes a hindrance for us. Because abundance so often reinforces self-reliance, and self-reliance runs in opposition to prayer. So the more we're able to rely on our own circumstances, when we're able to rely on ourselves, rely on what we have, we're less likely to go then and rely on what the Lord provides and His provision. And so often it's our abundance that keeps us from really truly leaning into God in full reliance. I sometimes wonder, I've thought this before, if this is the reason why in the developing world here, we see less miracles on a daily basis. I mean, in some of these African countries, it absolutely comes down to this miracle. Like, God has to show up in this. But here, when it comes to health care, which are all good things that God has provided to us too, when it comes to, to all the, the, the things that we know and the wisdom that we have, um, often this works um, in, in, against our ability to rely fully on God. Because we operate primarily on our own power, on our own wisdom, on our own means. But Paul points something out that's really important to us, and that is that when we are weak, we are strong because his power is made perfect in our weakness. Just look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you. This is after Paul is pleading with God to take an affliction from him, something that he's dealing with, an area of weakness. But he says, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly then about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecution and difficulty. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our position of greatest strength lies in deepest dependence on God. 
We've got to get to that place where we believe that and we know that and we understand that we need God. We need God. What we'll see and we really do see through the story is that it was her powerlessness that actually unlocked a greater power. It was her weakness that enlisted a greater strength. It was her poverty that tapped into a greater wealth. And so it is with prayer. The more dependent we are on God, the better position we are to receive all that we need and more. Corey Tenboom was a Holocaust survivor, and she knew what it meant to be desperate more than any, anyone else. And one of the things that she said was that you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And some of you have been in those positions. You've been in those places. But how do we live in such a way that whether it's in our abundance or our poverty, we live in that, with that same level of dependence on God? My grandmother is uh, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, and um, my, if, if you haven't met her, she's come to church here from time to time, um, but she's, she's like this tall, and, uh, but she's one of the strongest people um, that you'll meet, and one of the things that I've talked often with her about uh, lately is she cares for my grandpa, who has uh, had just a ton of physical needs, and she just cares for him day in and day out, and he has, um, from time to time, he'll just like fall over or so she has to steady him everywhere she has to pull him up from things out of bed and load him into I mean every everywhere he goes uh, this guy that's twice her size she is lifting and maneuvering and 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 taking care of day in and day out and I'm always just so blown away by this I'm just like how do you do that you know I'm like I I feel like you know I didn't know some CrossFitters that can't, couldn't take my grandma, you know, in the lifting department. Like, she's just, and I'm like, how do you do that? And um, she, it's like a mystery to me how she does it. But it's no mystery to her. You want to know her secret? And here's what she tells me all the time. She's like, you know, I pray every day that I can continue to care for him in our home. That's her prayer. It's just the simplest prayer, right? I pray every day that I can continue to care for him in our home. So what's her secret? It's persistent prayer, and she will tell you that. She'll say, that's where my strength comes from. She's like, sometimes I'll wake up, and I'll have, like, this, like, something in my elbow, or, like, I wrench something and, like, moving them around. And she's like, a couple days later, it literally, it just goes away. It just goes away. And she's like, I just attribute all of that to prayer. Never are we stronger than when we are most dependent on God. And so the first thing that we've got to wrap our head and our heart around is that the prayer of persistence is where we get our greatest source of strength. The second thing is that the prayer of persistence is what fuels our faith. The prayer of persistence fuels our faith. And I love this because it says for some time this judge refused. Like he's just like, no, like go away. Just like stop. And uh, she keeps showing up. She keeps showing up. And finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because she keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. And I love this. I've never picked up on this detail. And this is in the NIV. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. Uh, this is what he's like. This, she's crazy. Like, she shows up day and she is crazy. She's just going to keep coming, and I have got to put an end to this. Like, fine, I'll give you whatever you want. And the, the thing, his perception of this woman is she must be crazy. And when we think about persistence, it really does, doesn't it? It harnesses our inner crazy. 
I mean, we're really praying prayers of faith. And when's the last time you just prayed one of those prayers where you're like, even you think it's crazy. Like, that's just a crazy prayer. Like, that is crazy. But yet we keep praying it. We keep praying it. We keep going to God on it. When was the last time you just prayed for something that just felt impossible? You qu- questioned your own sanity for a minute. Like, I must be crazy. I think that God, I know that God delights in those kind of prayers. God wants us to pray with that kind of faith and that kind of persistence behind our prayers. They just keep praying for those things, keep praying for those things. And in fact, it's these kind of faith-filled prayers that God, that put God's power on display in Jesus. And I love this because I've seen this at work in my life, and I'm sure you've seen this at work in your life. It's those crazy prayers that have this ability just to fuel this level of faith that we didn't even know that we had within us. Um, Don Sams, I got to, I got the cool opportunity uh, to get to go through his library a little bit, and Stephen's like, hey, we were out there. He's like, pick out some books that you like, and so I got to pick out the, just a few books, and one of the books that I picked out uh, was an Andrew Murray book uh, about prayer, and it was just this little book like this big, 60 cents for this book, and I'm like, that's like crazy, like a book for 60 cents, and um, as I dug through this book, the, almost the entire book was like highlighted. Like Don had just gone through there and just poured over this book and looked through this book. And it was just clear to me as I, as I watched the things and read his little notes in the margins through this book of being a student of prayer, that Don was just that. He was a student of prayer, that he believed in prayer, that he, he put his faith in prayer. And so I just, I grabbed some of the things that were in this book that were important to him that I thought were just so true. And it, one of the things that it said was, there can be no true, true prayer without faith. Some measure of faith must precede prayer, and yet prayer is the way to more faith. If we want to know where and how our faith is to grow, the Master, Jesus, points us to the throne of God. And then it says, men and women of strong faith are men and women of much prayer. Men and women of strong faith are men and women of much prayer. And so prayer requires a level of faith, but on the other side of those prayers, we see our faith being strengthened day by day. I got a call, I guess it's been now over two months ago. Uh, it's crazy, it's flown by, but I got this call in the middle of the night. And anytime you get a call in the middle of the night, you know like something's going on. And so I get this call and I was still kind of just like waking up and I looked at my phone. It's one of our friends from the gym here that comes to Axis and is plugged in at Project 215, Alex uh, Chrysler. And he's calling me and you can just tell there's just this desperation in his voice. And he's telling me that his wife uh, is is getting ready. He's just driving there. He doesn't know when, but they have to have an emergency C-section and deliver uh, their twins very, very early. And so um, I'm just like, I, I'm like stunned by that because I'm like, there's no way. This is way too early. This is way too early. And he's just like, could you just, like, and I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, let's just pray. And so we're praying over the phone. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And it's a moment-by-moment thing, like for just days and days and days. And um, we're just like, 
rallying people around them in prayer. Uh, we had this opportunity at Project 215 early on, and I was like, hey, these guys are part of our community. They need our prayer right now. God has to continue to work a miracle for them and for their family, that their babies could make it, that they could have healthy babies. Let's pray this prayer. And so we all faced, um, and by the way, they were up in Wisconsin because they were. she was up there for a trip. And so she's out of town. She's out of state. And so, I mean, just talk about just a difficult situation. So we're like, let's all face Wisconsin. And we figured out Wisconsin's like this direction. And so we all just threw up hands in that direction. And we prayed for them. We prayed for them. And we continued to pray. And as we prayed these prayers, I felt like that was all we had, but that was enough, and we continued to pray. And um, there was a day that, that uh, Alex had called me. I remember I was right in this room here, and he's like, we, we need you guys to pray again. I grabbed Stephen. It was like a Monday morning. And I was like, we, they need our prayers again. And he said, uh, Asher, um, the, young, the, the boy, uh, the newborn baby boy, uh, had a brain bleed. And they're like, if this is like this level of a brain bleed, this is really, really a bad thing. And so we just need your prayers right now. And so we're praying, like, would it only be like the, the, uh, the minor level of brain bleed? God, would you just heal his brain? Would you just? And so we're just praying these prayers. And we learned later that as we finished praying those prayers, the doctor was trying to get through on the, on the line to let them know that it was like the minor brain bleed and that was going to be okay. And so we were just like, we were just thanking God for that. And there was other moments where we were getting calls and, and one such moment where they were like, we, we don't know if there's anything else we can do uh, because uh, there had been this time where uh, Asher had pulled out like um, his lines and he was declining quickly and the doctors were like, I mean, you need, to, you need to hold him. You need to draw him near because we don't know if there's much else we can do. And so we just we sent out a text message to a bunch of people, and people were praying, and people were praying, and people were praying. And God pulled them through uh, those moments. And uh, God wasn't finished. God wasn't finished. And I just share that experience because I can just tell you that as I've walked through that experience, um, Regardless of the results, God shows up to you in those moments. God strengthens your faith in those moments. God allows you to be more and more bold in the way that you pray. It's prayers like these where it all depends on God that stretch and expand our faith. And we've got to get to the place where we're persistently praying those bold kind of prayers. So the prayer of persistence fuels our faith. And the prayer of persistence, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And in verse 6 through 8, it says, The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And then it says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? So the comparison is here, listen, listen to what persistence does for this unrighteous judge, this judge that doesn't care at all about God or what is right. How much more will the God of goodness, the God of justice, give to those who cry out to him day and night? And night. Will he delay over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in all the earth? And I remember I used to have this misunderstanding regarding prayer. I I asked this naive question one time um, to a friend of mine. I remember saying, uh, You know, if if God is going to do what God is going to do because he's God, why do my prayers actually matter? Like, why do my, God's going to do God, and I, why do my prayers actually matter then? And I remember that was my thought process for a while about prayer. Uh, but in other words, my naive question was, what, do, what difference does prayer make? What difference does prayer make? 
And I'm saying that out loud because I thought that way, but I think some of us still believe that way. Because if we did believe that prayer makes all the difference, it would shift everything. The problem with that question is it's flawed in a few ways. It's flawed on a a couple different levels. Number one, it assumes that the primary purpose of prayer is all about the result. Because we think that way, right? Like it's all about getting this desired result. That's the point of prayer, right? But prayer exists for many more reasons than that. It exists so that we can connect with God. Prayer exists uh, to not just change my circumstances. It actually exists to change me from the inside out. And God does such a great work inside of us through prayer. It exists to re-engineer my inner life with God. And so number one, it's flawed question what difference does it make because it assumes that the primary purpose of prayer is about the result number two god never tells us that he remains unmoved by prayer in fact he invites us he even dares us to pray boldly and persistently and that's the very point of this parable that we see a god in scripture that's just daring us to ask he's just waiting for us to ask so that he can bless us so that he can pour out his provision onto us so that he can provide for us in each and every way. And the third thing that I think that this question, what difference does it make, overlooks is that sometimes the results come on the other side of heaven. And I might not know, but the other side of heaven is the most important part of our life and the lives of those around us. And so to think that, oh, it's not making a difference here and now, or I prayed this prayer and it didn't make a difference here and now, that overlooks the importance of eternity and what God is inviting us into as we come before him in prayer. And through this parable, Jesus casts light on a vital belief that each of us must wrap our minds and our hearts around. We've got to believe it. And that's that prayer makes all the difference. Prayer makes all the difference. Even if this unrighteous judge who cared little for what is right was moved to persistence, how much more will the hand of Almighty God, the perfectly just God, be moved by our heartfelt persistence in prayer? And I love this question, and this is really the question that I think we'll we'll land on here today. And that's just, I think we should walk home with this question, but will he find faith? In all the earth. Will he find faith in all the earth? We have to believe that prayer is powerful if we were going to be persistent in prayer. Through prayer, we can release our past. Through prayer, we can influence our present. Through prayer, we can rewrite our future. I got to hang out with Carly and Ryan this past uh, week, and I got to hold uh, baby Eden and, uh, and, and just spend some time with them. Uh, and it was cool because what I didn't expect was when I got there, they said, would you pray over our baby? And I was like, that is like the coolest question. Like, would I pray over your baby? And so I just got to hold her in my arms, and uh, she's as sweet as can be, as you can tell. And I told Ryan, I was like, will you take a picture so I can make my wife jealous about getting to spend time with her? And because uh, she's going to want to hold her too. And uh, so he did, and so he took this picture. Um, but as I'm holding her there, I just felt like, and, and we just got to pray her her just pray over her and pray that she lives out her namesake. And I just love this name that they picked because Eden is all about like this intimate union with God, right, as things were supposed to be. And so we just got to pray that over her. And it was cool because as we prayed these prayers over her, for a moment it felt like we were holding her future in our hands. 
Like we're, we're writing the script, we're praying the script, we're asking God if he would protect her, if he would guide her, if he would help her to live the life that she was meant for. And as we prayed those prayers, it was like we were holding her future in our hands. And I believe that that's exactly what we get to do when we pray. That's exactly what we get to do when we stand outside of our kids' rooms and we just throw hands up in prayer and just say, God, would you give them what's best? God, would you direct them? God, would you guide them? God, would you just draw their heart towards yours? When we pray these prayers, we are rewriting the future, and God's inviting us to do that. It's one of the best privileges and responsibilities I get as a pastor, and so many of you guys have invited me in in different ways uh, into your marriages through prayer, that we might write a new script there, into uh, disparate situations where you're like, God, we just need God in these moments, and we've got to walk together in prayer. But what if we believed that about prayer, that, that change comes through prayer? And it does, and that's why Jesus tells us to be persistent. You've heard, ask, uh, and you'll receive, seek. And you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. The scripture of Jesus really telling uh, his guys, this is how I want you to pray. And what he means by that is not just ask once, but keep asking. Keep asking, and you will receive what is best. Keep seeking, and you will find what you are truly looking for. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. There is no more powerful force we possess than the prayer of persistence. And it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. You're like, well, I've never really prayed for my kids in that way, or I've never really prayed for my future. I've never really asked God for direction in my life, or, you know, it's just something that I've neglected that I need to re- reevaluate. I'd say, pick up that shovel and start digging a new tunnel. Start digging a new tunnel, and it's a tunnel to somewhere, it's a, t- a tunnel to God's best life for you. James 5, 13 through 18, he says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Elijah was an everyday person just like us. We've been given that same invitation to pray boldly before God. So, what story will we write? What story will we write for us? What story will we write for our family? Um, How will we shape the futures of our kids? How will we change the eternal outcome of the people that we love the most? How will we raise the spiritual temperature of our church? How will we see renewal for our city, community, and our world? The answer to all these questions is the same. Persistent prayer. Because prayer makes all the difference. There's this story that I find interesting in uh, 
in the New Testament. It's a story of, of Jesus and his disciples, and his disciples are now being commissioned to go out and do some of the work that Jesus has been doing. And so one of the things that he sends them out to do is to cast out evil in the lives of people. And so he sends them out, and he says, go in my name and do these things, heal in my name, bring healing in my name. And there's a time where they come back discouraged because there's this impure spirit that they just can't cast out. They, everything they've tried, they, they try to do it the way Jesus taught them to do it, they just can't do it. And so they come back discouraged and they ask this question, it's like, why couldn't we, why couldn't we cast out this demon? Why couldn't we, why couldn't we carry this out? And Jesus answers them in a simple way. He says, oh, oh no, this kind, this kind can only be brought out through prayer. This kind can only be cast out through prayer. And so what he's saying to them is, listen, of all the things that you possess, the most powerful thing that you possess is prayer. There's some evil that can only be cast out through prayer. There's some change that can only be brought through prayer. There's some healing that will only come through prayer. And the question is, the question that Jesus drops in our lap when he looks into our families, when he looks into our lives, when he looks into our church, will he find faith in all the earth? Will he find that kind of faith in us? Will he find that kind of faith in our homes? Will he find that kind of faith in our church? May the answer to that question be yes. Let's go to him now in prayer. God, we thank you for your people. We thank you for the reality that exists in this communication, this exchange between heaven and earth, this exchange between us and you, this incredible invitation that we've been given to step into your very presence. And God, we don't do it hastily, we do it humbly, knowing, God, that you are mighty, you are powerful, you are good. We thank you, God, that you invite us with a sense of familiarity that tell us to call you Father. We thank you that you love us. And God, I just pray that you will raise up a group of people that are persistent in prayer, God, that pick up shovels and start just digging out, digging out, God, a tunnel to somewhere in their lives that they are persistent in the most productive kind of a way, God, as they offer up prayers in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would provide deliverance to people. I pray that you would write a new script. I pray that you would change circumstances. And I pray, God, that in doing all of those things, God, that your name would be lifted high and your glory would be known. And so, God, the the prayer that we're praying is a song that we're about to sing, and that's we just want more, God. We want more of you. We want more of your presence in our lives. We want more of the person of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.